My name's Sarah Frick, and you're listening to Are You For Real? A podcast all about being real. Like, really real, not just cute Instagram real. Like, real. Welcome back, you guys, to Are You For Real? with your favorite host, Sarah Frick. Today, I am interviewing Jessica Mernan. I'm super excited for you guys to meet this chick, but first, we're gonna do my special segment of Dear Sarah, which we've now named What The Frick, okay? Because some of your questions are hilarious. Hilarious, okay. I'm literally scrolling as I speak. One of the first funnies, and I'll address if there's like two that are I'm going to address as well that are a little bit more heartfelt, serious, but one of the funnies was face exercise to combat resting bitch face. Okay. So here's what I do when I'm feeling like a bitch myself <laughs> is I smile. And when you smile and you talk, you just sound so pleasant instead of you're like, fuck you, right? You're like, hey, welcome. You are annoying. But now my face feels good and I feel good and you feel good too. So that's that one. <laughs> um, another funny one I got was how can I grow your eyebrows? <laughs> I mean, I plucked those fuckers so much in the 90s <laughs> and I know who sent this and I'm crying laughing because she's hysterical and she's a twin mom too and we're all just a little bit Looney Tune. So my best advice to you is don't touch them. Like literally don't touch them even if they look like they're about to come into your eyeballs. Just let them have some time. They're probably really scared <laughs> and they don't want to come back because they're scared you're going to pull at them. So just let them be and let them grow. And then once they get, once you have like a sufficient like hedge across your forehead, <laughs> then DM me again and I'll send you to my girl at Nail So Depth because she is really good. <laughs> I don't know what her name is. She told me her name's Mary, but I don't think that's it. But she's really good. Somebody asked, who makes your necklaces? Okay, so I love necklaces. I have a bunch of different ones. One of my favorites, though, is a necklace we actually sell at my studio. And the company is called Oxbow Movement. It's by a friend of mine, Maggie Kyle in Colorado. And she's an amazing, amazing woman. And this is kind of like her side hustle, her side project. And so what Oxbow Movement does is they make jewelry that you can actually sweat in. And then all the proceeds go into lower income communities to support fitness and to create um, programs for those children to have different sorts of fitness or to send them to a soccer camp or things like that, that possibly they wouldn't be able to do. So it's a win-win. You can sweat in your jewelry. It's freaking beautiful. You can buy it locally from me and you're giving back to a community that needs you. So all of those things I would say are a plus. And, um, you can find her on Instagram at Oxbow. I believe it's Oxbow design. She's really awesome. And she can custom make you anything. She does all my things. All right, so I got a question that I've been thinking about a lot. I get always get such great questions, but one I got the other day when I put this out, um, and the question is, the most impactful advice guidance you'd give your 25-year-old self if you could? And first of all, like, I would love to sit down with my 25-year-old self and, like, give her a hug and be like, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay, girl. You know, you, you're going to be okay. Because I think at that age for me, it was a constant like perpetual game of keeping up. And I was like watching what other people were doing. And I was, I was, I was starting to feel myself out a lot. I had, I was practicing by then I was actually teaching too, but I was still so in this, um, 
this place of like, well, okay, this is, this is the path that my friends are going down. So I should probably start to, to find this path as well. I actually got engaged for the first time when I was 25 and got married for the first time, which means I have been married more than once, um, when I think I was 26. And so for me, I kept trying to chase after this idea of, um, I actually was listening to this speech that Matthew McConaughey gave and it was so beautiful. And he said, stop trying to find what it is. Stop, stop like seeking this feeling of happy and start looking for a feeling of joy because happy is so flighting, right? It's like, okay, I won the race. I'm happy. I lost the promotion. I'm unhappy. But when we find joy in the moments of, I love the work I'm doing and maybe the outcome will be, he was relating it to a movie, maybe it will be like a blockbuster. But in these moments of like getting up and working with people I love and creating art, there is joy. And in that joy, if we're constantly connecting to the joy, then there will be happiness and all those things will fall into place. So we're not constantly chasing after something that is so fleeting um, and so a lot of times it can be unattainable. I mean, life comes fast and things come fast. And if we associate like one emotion with one feeling, then we get really stuck there. Right. So like, I'll just speak to grief because that's something that has been substantial in my life. And I know it's like, well, what do you mean, Sarah? Like grief equals sad. And of course it's okay to be sad, but the thing is grief also equals healing and grief equals community and grief equals connection. And in that, in that process of like he was saying, going to work every day, like going to battle every day with whatever it is, there is joy and there is a lot of reciprocity in that space. So what I would tell that girl is hang on, you're good. You're good. Keep riding it. And you know, like I don't regret any of it. I, I can't speak for other people, but I don't. I don't regret the quote unquote mistakes I made. Like that taught me where I don't need to put energy. Um, it taught me a lot about myself and, you know, a lot about the the substance that I have. You have to be a substantial human. You have to like everywhere you go, there you are. If you don't know and you don't like yourself, you better start to get liking yourself, right? Because that's the person you're going to wake up with every day. It's the person you go to bed with every night. That is the most intimate relationship you will ever have. And it doesn't mean that you don't love other people and it doesn't mean other people don't love you. But I think if you can lean into that process and, and sit with yourself, like even when it's uncomfortable, you know, in those places where you're like, they're all doing this thing. And I don't know if I want to turn left with them. I'm really kind of thinking I'm going to turn right. Okay. Sit with it. Feel it. I'm all about being okay when it is uncomfortable. Um, that's where we do meet ourselves and where we do learn so much about ourselves. I can promise you at 26 years old when all my friends were getting married and I was doing the exact opposite, I felt like a fucking loser. And I felt really bad for my parents. I felt like I had embarrassed them. I felt like I'd really let this other person down. I felt like I'd let a lot of people down and I... I kind of, I bailed on the situation and I'm, I've said this before, it wasn't the way I should have exited. And I use this example cause it is substantial and it is relative to a lot of people. Um, and I look back now and at that time I use the tools I had and I know I've said this quote a million times, but it's like, I wish I could tattoo it on my body. I did then what I knew how to do. Like Maya Angelou said, now I know better. I do better. And so I'm so glad I had those moments to, to learn and to meet myself and to look back and go, okay, girlfriend, we're not going to do that again. Um, 
So my best advice is meet yourself, meet yourself. I know who wrote this and you're doing it, girl. I know you have had heart pain before and loss and breaks my heart and you're doing all the right things and you just need to keep leaning into it. Okay, guys. So I'm in the health and wellness industry. And one of the things that goes hand in hand with fitness is food. And I'm going to say this in a way that I say this from the bottom of my heart. I don't take it lightly. I know there are people, we all have people struggle. Some people struggle with addiction, whether it be alcohol, drugs. Some people struggle with food addiction. Some people struggle with exercise addiction or shopping or sex or whatever it is. My thing about food, because I am in front of a Um, I don't know how big that room is. I can put almost 60 people in it, a massive mirror all day long, looking at myself in spandex. I've had three full-term pregnancies, one being a twin pregnancy. I have seen my body up, down, left, and right in all different shapes and sizes. And since you're asking me, I'm going to tell you personally what works for me. This does not mean that it works for you or your neighbor or your sister or your kid or whatever. This is literally what works for me. The one thing that also goes along with food is body image. And that's a really, really slippery slope because, you know, anytime we try to deplete ourselves of nourishment that we need, it is not a healthy relationship. So I'm always really careful to talk about food because I don't want what works for me to be something that creates havoc on someone else's brain or body or psyche or anything like that. So I'm just going to tell you how I roll and we'll go from there. So um, I usually teach really early in the mornings. My days start around 5, 5.15, mostly during the week. And I don't usually eat a meal until my second, after my second class of the day. So my first meal I'm usually like is around 9.30ish, 10ish. And I feel really good then. I wake up in the morning, I have a cup of coffee. Um, I drink a ton of water. I mean, before, before my first class is over by 7am, I've probably had almost like a a gallon of water or half a gallon of water. It's crazy how much water I have to drink because of the sweat. So when I do break that fast, I guess we'll call it from the time I ate before I went to bed until then, I usually do something with a fat. I do animal protein. I'll do eggs. Um, I like bacon. I'll do a sandwich. I'll do a piece of toast with like some sort of a nut butter. I like some bars. Some bars are just crap, but I like that. The RX bar is pretty good. I like the the chocolate sea salt one. Um, I also do really enjoy healthy, healthy foods because they nourish me and they help hydrate me. Lettuces, anything green, melons, berries, all go with antioxidants. For me, I'm... I'm not scared. I mean, I'll eat processed food every once in a while. I will go out and I will eat what I want. But for the most part, if I can see the ingredients and I can put them together myself, I love it. It's just, it's easier. It's cleaner. I know what my body's getting. Um, But I'm also not the kind of person that has company in town and they're like, let's go out and have some wine and make some homemade pizzas on the, the green egg and have cheese and do that stuff. Like I'm all about it. So I think it's all about the way it makes you feel just like anything else. If you eat something and when you're done eating it, your body physically feels like shit, don't eat it, right? And I think that's the difference between depriving ourselves because mentally we're like in this place of, okay, well, if I eat if I eat A, I'm going to be fat. And if I'm fat, I'm not lovable. And if I'm fat, I'm bad. And if I'm fat, right, and all those things that go with it. And I'm speaking to this. I'm not preaching to you guys because I can totally get it and relate. I want to tell you a secret. Most of the people in the health and wellness industry are there for a reason because we were all there at some point for the most part, in an unhealthy way. 
Okay. A lot of times what leads you to fitness cannot is not always the best version of yourself. And you meet yourself in those spaces and you're in those rooms. And it's like the rhythm changes, the cadence changes, like the ideas change. And then you're like, Oh, okay, this is my calling. It called me here for a, and now I'm able to share the truth in another way, like coming off the other M. So just be careful that with the food thing that you're not obsessing about it for the wrong reasons or the reasons that are making you feel bad. Um, if you're looking for a way to really highly nourish your body, if you're like, no, I, I need to know what to eat. I want to be active and I'm, I'm tired all the time. I'm a big fan of protein. If I'm like, if I have a full day and I know I just have to go, I grab nut butter. I'll grab like um, a few hard boiled eggs, um, a cheese stick. I'll do, I do drink caffeine too. So I'll usually have like a highball energy water, which I love, which is kind of gives you a little kick. Um, I'm all about layering in, like I said, some fruits, some vegetables. Anytime you can throw some fat in there, definitely fat is not bad for you. Fat is not bad for you. You want to know what's not great for you? Processed sugar. However, a little bit here and there, you're okay. Just think about what, what, what fuels me, what makes me feel good, what keeps me in my body and what's going to make like my life and my day as good as possible. So I get questions a lot about business. Um, and one of the things, one of the questions I got the other day was a woman asked me, I just started a small business and I love any tips and advice. And I'm going to give you my best piece of advice ever is hire great people. Truly, 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 truly like you as one person can only do so much. And I understand that it costs money to have good people effectively. So factor that in. Like there is no way I was speaking to a friend of mine, actually her and I were texting yesterday and she has young children. She's a mom of multiples. And she was like, I don't know how to do this. How do I teach? How do I do my website? How do I do all this? And my kids are like, making me feel like shit about it. And I was like, you have to create non-negotiables. So if you commit to having your own business, there are things that go with that. The good, the bad, the ugly, right? So you have to commit to working like, like on your business as much as you work like at the business too. So that means like setting aside, maybe it's six hours to start. Maybe that's all you can give it six hours a week. You say Monday, Wednesday, Friday from eight to 10 a.m., I am 100% committed to getting this website up and running because once I get my website up and running, I'm going to start generating income. And you have to give a little before you can give some back too. So I'm not saying like take out a million dollar loan and totally screw yourself. But if you have to pay other people before you can pay yourself, if you can financially do that, I would say do it. There have been many a times where I had to take a smaller cut than what I really wanted to take and for really for the work I was doing, because I knew that I needed to have a certain amount of people in place to keep the, sh the show, like keep the show running. Um, I think it's also really good to know when to say yes and when to say no. I'm a hundred percent a yes person. And there are times when certain things completely take me out of my power. Don't talk to me about math. It's not because I'm stupid. <laughs> I don't care about numbers. I don't. I don't want to know about them. I want to know about 
how I can get my leadership and my team up. And with that, like running towards that, that's how my numbers will grow. I hire someone great who has my back. And so she can look at me and go, your numbers are down. And then what I can do is do what I do really good. And I can create like morale amongst my staff. Um, also it doesn't cost money to create that you, I had a staff meeting actually yesterday. I went to whole foods and grabbed a few juices and some like granola. And we sat around in a circle. There was like 16 of us, I think. And we had a 45 minute meeting where, and this was all from the bottom of my heart. I thanked them for everything they were doing because I could not do it without them. I was real with them about some stats that we had that were amazing. And we brought it in full circle. I asked if anyone had anything that they wanted to talk about, because I can assure you as humans, all we want to do is be heard, seen and loved. Okay. So if you can treat your people like that, they feel appreciated. They want to give you more then you're probably asking of them. So if you have a small team, like give back to them and they'll give to you as well. Um, I also think as having done this, um, having owned a business, actually, it's insane. I opened my first studio 10 years ago today, July 9th, and it is you're going to do things and you're going to look back and be like, Ooh, <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. But that's all part of the growing and that's all part of the learning. And that's okay. Like you, you meet yourself in those times and those failures and those situations. You hire someone who you're like, this person is going to be amazing and they're going to save my life. And you're like, Oh my God, I think they just stole a 20 from the drawer. <laughs> right. And, and that sucks. And that helps you tighten up too. Okay. Okay. I see it. I'm a really trusting person. Like I, my whole life is, is a kitchen party atmosphere. Everywhere I go, I want to create that vibe, right? Everyone stands around the kitchen table or the kitchen bar and we're cooking dinner and da, da, da. I want that. And when you check into my studio, I want that if I meet you at the grocery store, like that's just kind of the vibe that I roll with and that, and that works for me and I feel comfortable with. And in that place, I know now after 10 years that yes, I can still be that, that person and, you know, I guess, quote unquote, kind of play like good cop. And at the same time, I need to be smart. I have to protect my investment. And that looks like having hard conversations at times and having the support to have them. You know, it's okay if that's like, maybe that's not your forte. Maybe you're like, you know what? I need a good right-hand man. So when I sit down and have this conversation, I feel the support that I need. So my best advice, like I said, hire good people and be smart about it. And if something, if you see something that's like unfolding one direction and you're like, I've already put too much energy, it just has to go down this direction. No, it doesn't. You can stop that. This is your business, right? That's your LLC or whatever it is. Your name is on the door. You get to reroute it and make it exactly what you want. And there's, um, I am a big believer too, is that we've never gone down one road too long to not turn it around. So just remember that as you grow, as you learn, as the business unfolds, and you'll, you'll have a good experience and it'll, it'll be what it needs to be. So today I am interviewing Jessica Mernan, who I actually met um, last fall. I was being interviewed on a panel for the Good Fest, and she was the moderator. And I got to sit on this panel with her and two other women, and I was just in awe of the way that she was able to engage all three of us um, who were also different from different backgrounds there for different reasons. And she just had this thing about her, this spark about her. And I knew when I started this podcast, she was someone I wanted to interview. Um, even though she is a like 
specialized interviewist. She has a podcast called One Part Podcast and an amazing cookbook called One Part Plant. And she works with women all over the world, really, that um, are maybe struggling with endometriosis or different health issues. Um, and she feeds her body healthy. So I'm super excited <laughs> for you guys to meet her as well and to hear about her. And she's real. This chick is not going to hold back. So um, yeah, let's do this. you guys. So we are just now sitting down with Jessica and Jessica, can you just give us a little lowdown about you? A little, I mean, we <laughs> it's have always such a crazy question. I know I'm it like, is. Do you want to know what I ate for breakfast or do you want to know my history of trauma? What do you mean? <laughs> okay. First of all, tell me quickly what you had for breakfast. Um, I was running very late today. So I grabbed this kite Hill. They have unsweetened vanilla now, mm-hmm. which I was very excited about. Cacao nibs, blueberries. Delish. Yeah, simple. Eat it in the car. Like, it's great. So let's move right on to the trauma. (laughs) (laughs) I am all about the trauma. (laughs) No, but but it's like, I don't know. It's like, I feel like because, and I'm sure you've had sort of a long work history and a long personal history. So it's just like, sometimes I'm like, where should I, where do they want me to start? Where do I drop the pen? (laughs) What I loved reading about and looking at is your cookbook and the way that you eat and you share food and was part of that healing your own body. Oh yeah. I mean, I have, so I have stage four endometriosis and just, if no one knows what it is, endometriosis is when the type of lining that lines your uterus grows on the outside of your uterus. So it can grow onto your, most times it grows onto your organs, your bowel, your, it just can be very disruptive to a lot of your bodily functions. And it just got to a point with my endo, I had a couple surgeries at the time I had them, I now know that they weren't the proper type of surgery, but it left me in more pain and to the point where I couldn't get out of bed a Mm. lot of days. So my doctor gave me a choice of a hysterectomy or drug hormone therapy. And all the things I read about the drug hormone therapy was it left me depressed. My hair fell out. It's like, okay, I don't, I'm already depressed. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And my hair is like the only thing that's going for me right now. It really is beautiful. (laughs) Um, So I thought a hysterectomy would be the best option. And then a friend kind of swooped in and before, and this was, you know, this was before you could Google endometriosis and the first thing that comes up is endo diet. Like that wasn't Mm, the case mm -hmm. eight or nine years ago. Right. So she sent me a link to a little website about endo and how a plant-based diet might help. And I was like, this is dumb. This is not going to (laughs) work. But I thought I'll try this. I'm going to get a hysterectomy anyway. Mm -hmm. And I tried it. And then three weeks later started to feel a little better. And then I just never got the hysterectomy and I am sitting here and I, and it's so crazy because it's, I keep on forgetting if it's eight or nine years later, but every single time I get my period, I do a dance inside yeah. or I'll brag about it. Like, <laughs> like I had to travel. I started my period and I flew that I was bragging about it. Cause you couldn't used to be able to like do anything. I couldn't even do how, and yeah. I'm, I'm have a four year old at an airport and we're catching two flights yeah. and we're doing the transfer. They're and like, ma'am, can I have your ticket? You're like, yeah. I got my period. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I got into the car. I was like, dad, start my period today. <laughs> and I did this. And so it's, still un 
unbelievable to me because I lived with pain since I was 13 years old. And that's when you knew is when you went through puberty. Is that how it usually? Well, I mean, I, I mean, again, I'm definitely part of that statistic of it taking 10 years, eight doctors to get diagnosed because I wasn't diagnosed till I was almost 30. So, I mean, I was in pain, but what happens with a lot of women people that have endometriosis is, is you see your mom or your grandma as sort of your meter of how periods are supposed to be. So Mm -hmm. I saw my mom in crazy pain. I saw her as soon as she walked in the door, unbutton her pants because she was so bloated. So I thought that's what periods were. Right. And then a cyst ruptured and that's how I ended up getting diagnosed, but it's insanity. And that's why it's just so important to me to raise awareness about the symptoms because if you know the symptoms, it could change everything. And most of the symptoms aren't connected to your period. Right. So it's 90% of women that have endo have GI issues or GI issue like issues. And so if you have problems going to the bathroom, you're not going to go to your gynecologist. You're going to go to a GI specialist and they're going to say you have IBS and to eat more fiber or whatever. And then meanwhile, nothing ever gets better. Right. And so then you're crazy for thinking you're in pain. Right. And probably frustrated because you can't take a poop. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or you're pooping too much. Yeah. yeah. And urinary issues are, I mean, I peed my pants all of the time. I had no idea that that was an endo urgency is a, uh, symptom. So did one doctor like you go and then one doctor was like, this is what's up. Well, I had a, I had a cyst rupture and I had to go to the emergency room and at the emergency room, they didn't diagnose me, but the woman at the emergency room thought maybe this could be something. So she sent me to a doctor and it was the first doctor that Mm-hmm. believed me. I mean, I have told this story before on my own podcast, mm-hmm. but I, when I was uh, painful, sex is also mm-hmm, a symptom. Mm-hmm. And when I was 21, went to the doctor, told her I had painful sex and she said, I need to relax more in bed. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the kind of, so you get I'm this, like, oh, <laughs> me? you get this. So then I just thought I was a prude right, for right. nine years. Right. Right. No. So it's a, uh, it's just, it's hard to diagnose. And I think, that's why, again, it's so important for me to people to know the symptoms right? because then you're able to like, oh my gosh, like in my cookbook, I kind of asked my editor if I could just have a little page to share the symptoms. It's not an endometriosis book, mm-hmm. but I thought if I'm going to have this giant platform. Right. I want, and the amount of women that have messaged me that said that was the first time in the 40 years of my life that I saw all my symptoms on one page and were able to get diagnosed. It's messed up. Yeah. But that's amazing too. I mean, that's so it's like giving someone like some answers. Yes. Oh my gosh. It, it made me want to not write another cookbook. It made me want to do more education because clearly if a gluten-free, if you're, if you bought the book for gluten-free cookies and you find out you have a disease, <laughs> like let's do some more right. like work here. Right. So the book is plant-based. Yes. Mm-hmm. And does your whole family eat plant-based? Yes. Dan, it's always the eggs. Dan eats eggs and they gross me out so much, but he <laughs> eats eggs. But yeah, my son. And I mean, it's something with Sid because he is four. If he goes to a birthday party, 
Yeah. I let him have the cupcakes and whatever he wants. Right, but right. in our home, we are primarily plant. We're all plant based. Yeah, that's awesome. So I haven't had dairy or meat or anything for a very long time, and that helps just with inflammation. I'm assuming. Yeah, it's all, and I think that's what drives me bananas is when doctors say that diet. There's no proof, and it's anecdotal that it can impact endo. And yes, there has not been a, an official study yet. But if you have an inflammatory disease, right. and you're not eating inflammatory foods, there's no way that that's not going to be able to help a little bit. Oh, totally. Well, it's like acupuncture. My acupuncturist, who is like, she's a healer to me. She is amazing. I've been with her since after we lost Grace. She has this little cartoon hanging up in her bathroom that's probably like a hundred years old, and it's like these two people talking and it's like, well, I guess last resort, let's try this 5,000 year old ancient practice, see if it works, you know? And I mean, it does work. Like it, I've sent so many people to her and like, she's just wonderful. And it's like, you know, these things that aren't like FDA approved or so we don't look at them really. Right. Um, so do you think you'd ever write another book about something other than food? Yeah. I'm going to write an endo book. That's awesome. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, it's, uh, I'll find out actually, next week. Oh, exciting. <laughs> Very cool. Proposal's done. It's just out in the world right now with publishers. Yeah. How do you do that? So knock on wood. Knock on wood. <laughs> you just, you can like ground yourself to sit down and focus. Yeah. I mean, I would say that I actually think writing the proposal is almost harder than writing the book because you essentially have to pre-write the book in some ways before. And I mean, the proposal, I don't know if you've written a business plan before. I haven't actually. That okay. was a big source of contention. Um, I was like, let's just do it. But that's my personality. So and that's why I'm so interested. I love people that can like focus and sit and. Yeah. And I mean, my focus, it takes a while to figure out like I wrote my entire book in the window of caviar and bananas which took me 10 places caviar bananas is a cute little coffee shop deli place in Charleston but it took me 10 (laughs) places to try to find my head zone that I could actually write that was was my spot yeah and I tried to write in other places and I just couldn't and then I I had to get that window seat at caviar and bananas sorry sir you're gonna have to move (laughs) exactly (laughs) I know I would just kind of eyeball people until they moved but yeah and and I think that for so long I would beat myself up and say that I was a procrastinator because I would always felt like I was waiting to the last minute. And then I realized, especially writing the book, that my first book, that it's just that I just need things to process. And so now I call it marinating mm-hmm. instead of procrastinating. I like it. But yeah, Shape I mean, it. <laughs> it's that proposal to write. Yeah, writing a book proposal is hard. I can't even imagine. Yeah. But then it's like, then you have this blueprint for the book and not to say that writing a book isn't hard, but it just kind of can help you get so you into it, it more. almost like as an index. Yes. And I ask this because I'm currently writing a training manual. Mm-hmm. So I used to train yoga teachers when I um, owned my old studio and I had a business partner at the time and she was really, I'm going to shape it in a nice way. Not that there, she's lovely. It's me. She, she's just, I always said, Beth, you're so good at the business stuff and mm-hmm. I'll teach and I'll make people happy in this and that. But that almost like affords me like a flighty essence. And it's mm-hmm. not, it's that I just, I've, I was never a school person. I did. I did my four years. I got out. Everyone's like, you're going to go to do more school. And I was like, fuck no, like mm-hmm. I'm not a school person. 
And that's okay. Like, that's just not where I run fast at. However, right now I'm writing a training manual and it's, it's really challenging for me. And I think what you just said, I, I've been, I'm working with a woman right now who's written one and she was like, you need like a table of contents or some sort of, mm-hmm. um, just, you need a shell, a guide. a guide. Yeah. So you're not like writing about how to share your heart in a room. And then the next second you're teaching someone how to do a push up. Like it's right. never going to land. Like there it has to be like systemic, like there, it has to lead and build into each other. And, um, yeah. And I think it's just sitting down and just thinking, pretend like I know nothing mm. and what would I want to know That's or just true. like running through. And I also think go somewhere and turn off all, put your phone in airplane mode. Do you listen to music when you write? No. Okay. Uh, put your phone in airplane mode. Put I disconnect my computer from Wi-Fi too because it's very easy to just like uh-huh. I'll just, just, look at, just skirt over here a little bit, and then just just and you know and I think with writing too, I mean you have to just know that at the end of the day you might leave with nothing, but that that mm-hmm. was almost preparation for the day that you are going to write something great, right? So, yeah, but I also think that we are in this world right now where you have to be good at everything. So there's, I know a lot of authors that do not write their own books. So I don't think it's bad if, is it just, they have something to say and then somebody helps them organize their thoughts. I mean, one of my very good friends, her whole job is to write celebrities books and famous doctors books. And so she'll just have like meetups with them maybe a week at a time do a brain dump they and then she goes and she writes because she's a writer yeah, I just yeah, don't yeah. think that, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. you have to be good at everything totally and yes. I and I think if I ever I don't want to do another cookbook but if I did I would have someone help me formulate the recipes because mm-hmm. that was something I didn't enjoy doing right I love the recipe testing. I know exactly what I want it to taste like, mm-hmm. but baking cookies five times, mm-hmm. it, I did not enjoy doing it at all. Yeah. And you did that like in your house. Yes. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> I don't know the last time I actually baked cookies. So that's a lot. <laughs> Let's talk about health and wellness a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so for you, um, with your, the way that you eat mm-hmm. super, super healthy, I am not a great eater. Mm-hmm. And could you give me some advice (laughs) or could you give our listeners some advice? Because I would love to hear your take on it because I'm I'm like, but hold on, let me talk first. (laughs) So my experience, and I was sharing this, um, our producer Lindsay's here as well, is that because I am in a fitness industry, Mm -hmm. food and fitness get convoluted a lot. And there is, and I'm sure you've seen this as well, just being a woman of the world that Anything can become an addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, fitness can become an addiction. Food, we can become obsessive over it. And I just, it breaks my heart when I see women who are like striving so hard for this size zero or size two body that does not match their frame. And they're willing to torture themselves and their psyche and their families and all of these other things to fit into this mold because one thing works for somebody else mm-hmm. that might not necessarily work for them. Like, how do you, cause you're such a beautiful woman and you, you, you know, you walk into a room, you own a room, you're strong, like you're grounded, you believe in what you do, you eat the way you do to heal your body. Mm-hmm. How would you address that to someone who, who did come to you and 
wasn't doing it properly, I guess, if that's the right way to say it. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I just met someone at a party this past weekend and she came up to me and she said, I eat so unhealthy, but I'm so confused if I should do keto or paleo or vegan. And I just, I don't know. I mean, and this is most of those healthy diets, they're essentially all the same with the exception of with vegetarianism or veganism, you don't eat meat or dairy Mm -hmm. for this one. You don't eat dairy, but you can eat meat. I just, I mean, my, the thing I just told her was, I I just told her, you have to figure out what are your trigger foods. And I'm not talking about the psychological and the mental ones, but what makes you feel good and what makes you feel bad. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that I could be much more thin if I decided to eat a certain way, but I don't eat anymore to lose weight Mm -hmm. or to gain weight. I Mm -hmm. truly just eat based on how will this make my endo feel? How will this make my pooping feel? Mm -hmm. How will this make, I mean, just today I kind of had, I could feel like a tiny bit of a UTI ish Mm -hmm. vibe in my pee vagina Mm -hmm. area. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I had some, I had a little bit too much dark chocolate yesterday because sugar mm-hmm. makes me have tingles down mm-hmm, there. And, mm-hmm. But that took me a long time to figure that out. Yeah. And so it's kind of hard to, in the beginning, figure out what those things are for you. But I always say, if you get a sandwich that has meat, dairy, bread, and maybe some weird processed topping thing and you eat it and you feel sick was it the meat was it the dairy right, was right. it the and so i really think that in order if you don't feel good in your body and i'm not talking about if you think you're fat or skinny right, right. but if you don't feel good it is your responsibility to figure out what foods make me feel good and what foods make me feel bad versus i'm going to try this new diet mm-hmm. Because also, I mean, even evidence with the Plant Paradox book, I don't know if you read that, Mm -mm. Dr. Stephen Gundry, which was a very controversial book uh, a couple years ago, but his whole concept is even some plants don't make people feel Mm -hmm. good. There's the whole nightshade family that I kind of stay away from, which tomatoes, potatoes, eggplant, because they make me feel inflamed. I'm not going to tell someone else, like, not only should you be plant-based and gluten-free, but also don't eat nightshades. Right. Because you kind of have to work up to, to absolutely seeing what makes you I feel good. I think it good. can be intimidating to people. For sure. And so with one part plant, the whole my cookbook and my whole mission, all I'm trying to get people to do is to eat more whole foods, mm-hmm. to eat more plants and see how they make you feel. Because I, it's just you can look at a hundred diets mm-hmm. and that each diet is going to work different for everyone. Right. And just two things on that. I think like one thing that you're explaining, which makes sense to me too, is it's like intention behind it. Like you eat to heal your body. Mm-hmm. You're not eating to deprive yourself, to starve yourself, to fit into a certain pair of jeans. Right. And you know, like where energy goes, energy goes. And so there's love, like you're nurturing yourself mm-hmm. in, a, in a healthy, positive way. And I think that's important when people ask me all the time about food and it's what works for some people doesn't work for the other people. So you have to try it. And the thing you said about whole foods is like not the brand whole foods, Mm -hmm. but actual whole foods is something I love too. Even as 
a mom, like I love food, but I'm not necessarily someone who's going to go in the kitchen and cook up a bunch of stuff or this or that. But it's so, I know what's going in my body and I know what's going in my kids' bodies Mm -hmm. too. Like, okay, if we cut up fruit and we have this, you know, and we put this in a smoothie or this and that, like it's, it's all together coming from the source. Yeah. And also if you're a busy person, whether you have kids or not have kids, there's also really great already prepared whole foods too. Like my son lived on those Hillary veggie burgers, Mm -hmm. like the first year or two of Mm -hmm. his life, because all they are are just greens and quinoa and like all this good stuff. So I also don't think you have to make it every time. Right. But going back really quick to what you said, I mean, in some ways, I don't know, this might sound weird, but I had such hor- such a horrible relationship with food before that in because I have to eat for a disease now, I think is the, the reason why I eat healthy mm-hmm. or I don't know if it would take a lot of work mentally for me to eat great if I didn't have to do it for a reason. Correct. I get it. Because before being chubby or not, just didn't look good. That was not enough for me to Mm -hmm. not eat stuff because I was using food as a coping mechanism. Right. So whether it's good or bad in some ways, the endo has given me a new chance with food. So I know you've interviewed or, well, I met you because you moderated the Good Fest Mm -hmm. and that was a very eye-opening experience for me. I was super nervous. And like I said, on that stage, I'm, you know, I speak to hundreds of people every day, but I'm looking at their asses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so to put myself out there to have to, to sit up there with these other smart women and actually formed a really amazing relationship that day with Coley. Oh yeah. I love her. I'm interviewing her too. That's one of my phone interviews. Oh, she's She's amazing. Yeah. Super cool. Um, and real and talks about things that excite me and she's like, doesn't give a fuck. Like she's Mm -hmm. like, this is what's happening. I'm like, yes. Um, how did you get into doing that? I just knew, I mean, it was, I think, yeah, at the, I don't really celebrate. I've always, I don't even know when my wedding anniversary is. Sometimes I forget, but (laughs) I think it's nine 11. Oh, you always remember It's a special day. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Um, uh, I think it's our five year anniversary this summer for the podcast, I think. But five years ago, I knew that I needed to do something else because I didn't want to have a blog. Mm -hmm. I didn't even really want to be on social. My friends sort of pushed me to do it because I knew that I, yeah, there were some goals that I had. And they're like, if you want to reach those goals, you need to be on social. Such a, yeah. I wouldn't even post food in the beginning. They're like, you have, you're promoting good food. You have to post food. You're I'm selling like, a cookbook. Well, I don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but I knew that I had to do something else. A, that felt more, I don't know, fun mm-hmm. for me. I don't have fun blogging or doing, I don't really love doing the social thing that much. I do it. It's fun sometimes. And I knew that YouTube, I, I'm too much a perfectionist to do hair and makeup and have the kind of quality video I want. Right. And I thought podcasting, it's kind of new. You can do it in your bedroom. So that's why I did it. Cause I just felt like I needed something else yeah. to help my brand. And it's, I mean, and you're humble, but it has blown up. I think something that I have worked through since I was, I think 12 years old is my dad always telling me to define what success means to you. And that, definition can constantly change. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe it's 
being in a magazine. And then once you get in that magazine, you're like, oh, this doesn't really feel like what I was looking right, for. Right. But yeah, I think like people ask me all the time how many books I've sold. And I actually have no idea. Mm-hmm. Like I've never wanted to check the numbers because mm-hmm. I feel that I got to make a book and that's a success to me. Oh, I don't yeah. want to judge it based on a metric that... Right. So, and then I also care about other metrics, but yeah, I don't know. Those certain things don't matter to me as much right. anymore. Yes. That's good. Yeah. I think that's called growing up a little bit too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. When the person leaves the room halfway through, you're like, bye-bye. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's okay. Like, that's okay. It's not for everybody. And now you can send your friend in or not. Right. And we're going to be okay. Well, thank you <laughs> so thank much. You. Truly, truly thank you. I know this is... A, a lot for you to come out here so I really appreciate no, it awesome thank you thank you <laughs> hey guys I want to reach out to so many of my people out there that don't live in Charleston and also travel or stay at home a lot I get that right so what we do now for you guys and for us guys is we stream our workouts and what the stream is is you get to play us from home so if you go to our website and click streaming you will get to see a whole host of our workouts that you can get you can pick us up monthly you can pay for a year subscription and every week we add a new stream and so these streams could be videos from 20 minutes to 45 minutes long they include vinyasa they include the works they include sculpt cardio there's meditations on there there's slow flows there's deep stretches and it's not just me either but it's me and all the girls so we are bringing you guys your own studio at your house and so we're really excited about this we hope you check it out and uh, let us stream with you One of my favorite things that I get to do is lead soulful fitness retreats. And this fall, October 12th through the 17th, we're going to Tulum, Mexico. And it is an incredible, incredible time. We did it last year. We keep it really small so that the group can be intimate. There's workouts twice a day. All the food is included. We are literally on the beach in these most beautiful huts. The place that we stay at Amanasala is absolutely stunning. They take care of everything. They have everything from mud baths to amazing massages to even um, a Tezmakal ceremony where you go into a sweat lodge and literally like sweat out your past and cry and just do it all. It is like the most cathartic experience of my life I've ever had. Um, We're also right on like the beach strip, which I don't even wanna call strip, but it's all the great restaurants, the beautiful hotels. I'm telling you guys, this is an experience of a lifetime. I look forward to this and I really hope you'll join us this year on it. So to sign up for this, you can go to our website and click events and it will take you right to the page where you register. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at info at theworkschs.com. All right. I love you.